you know, the lore of it, I'd say that uh, my, I'm one quarter Squatch, that one of my grandparents is a Sasquatch. Hello and welcome to WNC Original Music, episode 159, the Fair Value Option episode. This week I am very happy to have on the show Squatch. Squatch is led by Burke County native Matt Masterson. It's an ever-evolving collective of musicians, uh, handpicked by Matt Masterson. It's had a lot of iterations over the years. I just wanted to be able to say iterations and save that word. His songs talk a lot about growing up in the Blue Ridge Mountains, uh, traveling the world, and uh, landing right back in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Been wanting to have Matt on for a long time, so I'm glad we finally put this together. Gonna have a few selections off of his EP, which is also titled Squatch, and you can find that at squatchyvibes.bandcamp.com. Also, look for more links in the show notes, as usual. Now, here is Squatch. Next to you, so happy, we 
Candy Skies is uh, is written on a roof, as as is the lyrics. A lot of my stuff is pretty autobiographical, and then take that and put it through a lens of looking at the world itself too. And this one was written under Cotton Candy Skies on a roof, as the, uh, the refrain mentions. And then the verse of it is actually almost verbatim a Peter McWilliams poem, and. It's from a really, really cool collection that just goes through the first tingles, the butterflies in your stomach, all the way through the demise of a relationship. And I, I just, like, it called me imme- immediately when I read it and decided that was going to be the verse of it. And I have been trying for quite a while to reach out. He passed quite a bit ago, and the publishing company no longer exists. And so, like, I would love to have anything I come in, like, have work out a structure of like what they would make from it. You know? Yeah. And so if anybody out there knows anybody <laughs> descended from Peter McWilliams that would be able to speak to that. I every interview I try to make sure that I put that out there. Like where where is someone surviving right. him that yeah, yeah. that might be interested? And just to hear it, you know, I'd love for them to hear what I've done with that work and how I was inspired by it. Right, right. Uh, where were these songs? Um, where'd you record all these? I uh, recorded them. Squatch Studio is more or less my, um, what I name my recording process under, and it changes. It's very mobile. Um, and so it's like, suffice to say, it was Squatch Studio in a basement in South Asheville. And, um, that's really good equipment in a completely untreated space, but then just cared for greatly and then it was also the songs were mastered the ep was mastered by tim husk 
who also works in a kind of mobile mm-hmm. style. And he's uh, the the founding member and organizer for the Awen Family Band, which if no one's heard, highly recommend looking into them. Let's talk about the uh, the Squatch name. What's the significance of, of that? Um, it's funny. A lot of people are like, oh, you just call yourself Squatch. I'm like, absolutely not. That <laughs> you know, kind of reeks of the pretense that I steer away from. Uh-huh. Um, it was gosh, so long ago now. And it was at Shikori Hills, maybe like the second year they were doing it, I think. And I had split up from my group that I was camping with, and they all went off one way, and then they came back to the main field, if anybody's familiar with the Shikori Hills venue. Um, so not gigantic, but a pretty large field, and they spotted me from the opposite corner of the field where they were coming in and saw me, and I was dancing with my arms kind of flailing in the way that a Squatch's arms walk. Uh-huh. Like during, during like that famous photo, my arms were just doing that move, right. and they saw it from way far away and nicknamed me Squatch then. And it took a while for me to like really embrace that. Uh-huh. I just thought it was a neat thing, and then over more and more time, I was like, "That's that's it. Like that's the name to run with." Uh, has it caused you to uh, have any kind of following among the uh, Squatch hunting uh, populace? absolutely um it's pretty neat there's a a few hats of mine that i sell that are on heads of people that'll probably never hear my music oh just just love sasquatch and hunt squatches and i do i have a plan to get a little more involved in the bigfoot festivals that happen around the country yeah that's kind of a next next season goal is to reach out to a lot of those because it would make a lot of sense to have a band on their stage called Squatch instead of yeah, just whoever yeah. was available local. I mean, there's probably more um, Squatch, Sasquatch podcast than there are music podcasts, so you might want to try to go on some of those. There are, true. Don't, there, there are a ton of them. Don't tell them, you know, who you are. Just contact them under your name and just say, hey, I want to be on your podcast. And when <laughs> hey, you I'm get Squatch. There, I'd like to talk about Squatches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am it. I am Squatch, so, you know, yeah. You'd like to talk to a real life squatch? My, uh, right. The lore of it, I say that uh, my, I'm one quarter squatch. That one of my grandparents is a sasquatch. Slow my road 
of two words last and and it also is kind of like from that space like this is my last stand um the lyrically uh let's see i've been running down that same old path that i swore could never last and is what happens in the hook and Mm -hmm. the namesake of it but i wanted it to be two words so you could see it as last stand as well because it is a song about making a last stand at trying to do better at life um and it has one of my favorite parts to do. I really love whenever I when I'm playing this live and I see some folks actually embrace what's happening. The bridge, there's, the bridge happens short and then much longer the second time. And, and the first time is just to acclimate. The second time is to actually practice square breathing. The lyrics and the bridge are just in two, three, four, hold two, three, four, out two, three, four, hold two, three, four, which is the guidance for square breathing, which uh, the first verse is pretty dark and the second verse is much more hopeful. And the square breathing is the bridge. It's the bridge between those two things that happened. Um, like how I went from being in such a dark place to being able to handle things a little better. And it certainly wasn't, I just started square breathing and everything was fine. Like it's not the R thinks I'm cured approach mm. um, for any Reddit users out there. It's uh <laughs> <laughs> it's much more just the searching for coping mechanisms or searching for coping skills to replace your coping mechanisms and then putting them in practice will be helpful will it turn your whole life around probably not you need to do much more than just that but that's one of the big things it's just I, I square breathe almost every day at some point when I start getting overwhelmed even if it's just for 40 seconds it's one of those that works for me. And I'm not saying that it's the one for everyone, but it, after looking through a lot of different coping skills and like working through a bunch of them and like, was that helpful? Like taking my own emotional pulse afterwards, like that's always been helpful. I've always gotten a little more calm. Cool. And a lot of, you know, a lot of my work is from a place of mental illness and mm-hmm. dealing with it, be that mine or someone that I'm close with. Uh-huh. So I, I think that's why that, that bit is one of my favorites in all of it is because it just doesn't just talk about what it's like, but it offers direction towards something that might be helpful as well. 
You write all these. You write all these uh, by yourself. Do you co co write with people sometimes? Um, High Style Life is co written uh, lyrically. I write all the music for things, and then there are co writes from Sarah Grizzle on these songs. Where it's just a lot of it in the moment where I'm writing it, and she's like, "Oh, okay, let me." I think this, or either like I would request something from her, or she would oh. lay something down on it and be like, "Oh, this would go really well there." And that's the case in High Style Life that. The lyrics you hear her singing, she wrote. Oh, okay. And, then, and musically, um, yeah, musically, I, you, I, there's no, I think most songwriters have a songwriting process where they're like, okay, I write this and then I write this. And it's like, it stays pretty regular for most songwriters I talk to. For me, it really, it can go either way. Like, I might have some lyrics that I, like, a, really loving the lyrics and even then the song's kind of written I, I write lyrics with the vocal me- melody melody in place and that writes the chords so you know the chords mm-hmm. are decided by the vocal melody and then um but and then a lot of times i just have this progression where i sit with a progression sometimes for years where i just like this progression and then i'm like oh here are the words here's yeah. the mood like it just all comes together and this was one where it was kind of all at once. Like, I just sat down with the guitar and it all just kind of poured out together. Oh, uh, what's your musical background? Oh, musical background. It's, there's a whole lot. I have recorded hip hop and a trap in Brooklyn. I played in punk and metal bands as a kid. Um, I played in like kind of, like the punk scene, but with a lot of country influence for five years in Greensboro, where I was cutting teeth. Um, anybody familiar with Matty Sheets? He has an open mic there now, and he had one long ago at a different venue that was where I really like learned to step up. Like all the musicians that were playing there were really phenomenal, and I was like, okay, you better practice. Hmm. <laughs> I think that's where I really started to go from like just sit down and do a thing to like crafting. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd say hip hop, punk and metal at various stages, just like those were things that were pushed through a lens, pushed through this filter of, uh, being raised on classics, like classic rock, meaning 60s, 70s classic mm-hmm. rock. Um, you gotta kind of differentiate at this point what classic rock might be. Right, right. But as You're talking being, about uh, The Outfield is uh, classic rock. Is that what you... <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of like, um, you know, Talking Heads, CCR, Bob Dylan, yeah. uh, Joni Mitchell, uh, Janice Ian, and the one that stuck out the most, I think, would be John Prine. That is easily the most influential songwriter to me, I think. Mm. I, I like to take the the quote that Steve Earle denied saying, he said that Towns Van Zant's the best songwriter and he'll stand on Bob Dylan's coffee table in his cowboy boots and say so. And I like to flip that and say that John Prine's the best songwriter that ever lived and I will stand on Towns Van Zant's coffee table in my cowboy boots and say so. All right. Um, he just, he captures the, the ability to have something like Hello in there or Sam Stone, which is some of the saddest songs I've ever heard. And then turn around and give you something like a legal smile or please don't bury me. Where it's just this jovial feel, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. not afraid to make you laugh or cry or just tell a story. That's yeah. Not, yeah. You know, not particularly emotionally driven. 
the kind of song where when you're listening to it, you might, you might be in the wrong mood or a different mood before and after you realize what the lyrics are. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, who's your, uh, who are some of your favorite, uh, comedians? Oh man. Favorite comedians. Uh, Mitch Hedberg, George Carlin. Um, let's see. Who else? Oh, Galifianakis. Hmm. I would say if anybody just knows him as the guy from The Hangover and then being weird in movies since then, then Live at the Purple Onion is just, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Like, it, it has its own, its own beat. Like it's one of those things where I, you see where he's drawn from other comedians, but right. he's definitely just got his own style, which I think is pretty rare in comedy in the last 20, 30 years for somebody not to be obviously just doing another version of somebody else's yeah. work. The thing that stands out for me always is when he says, uh, I'm now I'm going to do my impression of the, uh, pretentious illiterate and he has a glasses <laughs> I told you. and he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, I don't know. Goes, I told you, I don't know how to read. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, man, I, that that all three of those char- characters are pretty great. Yeah, um, <laughs> the forgetful vegan, like, oh man, that's some good pepperoni. Oh, <laughs> <fuck>. <laughs> oh man, and I can't believe this wasn't right at the top of the list. But Sarah Silverman, I think, is just an absolute genius. Oh yeah, always deserves more credit. Speaking of comedians, I think one of the weirdest things I noticed when I was. Going through, watching some old Star Trek, like, I, I think it's Voyager. Star Trek gave, it's pretty, usually pretty small roles, but gave roles to aspiring comedians quite a bit. Like, if oh, you really? go through, yeah, and uh, like, particularly I noticed in Voyager, like, I can't remember who else was in there, but it's just like, Sarah Silverman was in an episode. Oh, really? Voyager uh, mm. was possibly going to be a character that they kept on and uh-huh. something happened with that they were looking for something slightly different but yeah like they really gave a lot of comedians you know that's and that's a huge role if you're yeah. just doing clubs on the strip in LA right. like yeah. <laughs> like you get a shot at Star Trek like that's probably paid at least what three gigs paid then right yeah know? exactly yeah might have paid your rent <laughs> Which, <laughs> anybody that's in the in creative work if you get your rent paid on one gig Right, yeah. That's pretty solid. And you get to stay in the union, so you get your medical benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gets, gets you in SAG. More from Matt in just a few moments. want to remind you that you can find Squatch, his uh, recording project, at squatchyvibes.bandcap.com and a few other places. Look for those links in the show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe to WNC Original Music wherever you get your podcasts or go to wncoriginalmusic.com, or Google WNC Original Music, or ask the smartest person you know, hey, where can I find WNC Original Music? Hey friends, it's Rose Savage here, and you're listening to WNC Original Music. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show.
Corrections and clarifications from the last episode with Crave Amico. Espresso is a word, but it's not coffee related. It's actually the language that twins teach each other. So we were both right. Where should, what's the best place for people to find your music? Oh, you can get it pretty much anywhere that you get music. Uh, the only one I particularly like to name drop is Bandcamp because mm-hmm. that also has merch on it that can be bought. I've got the EP on vinyl and CD. There are stickers for sale there. Mm-hmm. Um, caps? I have. Hmm? You have the caps on Bandcamp? Oh, the hats are not on Bandcamp. That mm-hmm. is a direct thing. You know, like it, if you send me a message on any, like any social media, uh-huh. with at Squatchy Vibes. And then Bandcamp is squatchyvibes.bandcamp.com. Um, I think you can even send a message on there. But if I, if you send me a message, then I'd send a picture of what hats are available. They're all individual. There's not like one set hat. Anyone oh, okay. you get, that's the only one that's going to be exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the color schemes get similar or the styles get similar, but something is different on every single hat. Oh, cool. And so no one's going to have that hat. And I love, like, you know, I think that works with the individual individuality yeah. of what a Sasquatch kind of represents this right, right. creature in the woods. It's no lone no two Sasquatches are the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, I think that's really reminds me of something kind of funny. The use of the word snowflake mm-hmm. as a, as a, like a negative thing. This cracks me up. Like you're an individual. There's <laughs> no one like you. You're special. Right. <laughs> like that's what I, when I hear snowflake, I don't mean to like, we're all fragile, so like get get out of here yeah, with yeah. that being a negative thing. It ha- and it seems like there's not one political leaning that's using it at this point. It's just thrown back and forth. Everybody's calling each other snowflakes and right. using it as a bad thing. I'm like, y'all are that's similar to the word weird. Right. Weird etym- like etymologically just means knowing your own destiny and chasing after it. So like I I you can call me a weird snowflake anytime, and I'll yeah, just yeah. be nothing but grateful for that. Right, right. That's what you do. You aspire to that, so you know. Yeah, I'd, I hope I'm a weird. Sno- if I'm not a weird snowflake, then yeah, I guess I should go sell insurance or something. That's boring, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> who are some uh, Who are some local or independent musicians that you wish people listen to more besides you know yourself, of course? Oh. I'm wearing the hat of one Mr. Cam Wagsdale that I love, and uh, he plays with Chase Holiday. They uh, they both sing songs for Road Soda, which I think many more people should hear. Um, uh, let's see who else. Those guys are just absolute family. I mentioned Iowan Family Band earlier, but Tim is doing great work. He pretty much plays with a new pickup band almost everywhere he goes, mm-hmm. which is just blows my mind to always be working with artists that are only vaguely familiar with the songs and they're just good enough to follow you. Yeah. I've like heard, that is super impressive to me. When I first um, heard about that, I didn't think it was real. I was like, I was like, so you, you, you know, do you get there like a week before and practice with them? You're like, nope, nope. Just, you know, send them the <laughs> yes. tracks if they don't know it and uh, tell them what key it's in and, you know, just hope for the best. You know, one of my favorite music jokes I've got, pickup band or just like a couple people that haven't played before. Yeah, I think myself and half of the songwriters in the world have a lot of songs in C and I love turning back to somebody that's new and be like, hey, this one's in B sharp. <laughs> 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 Which if you're not musically inclined, it goes straight from B to C. There is no sharp. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. B sharp would be C. 
Uh, right. I just I love a dumb joke, and that's one of my favorites. Other musicians, I, I Screaming Jays and Doctor Bacon, I absolutely love. Uh, Dreads for Brains, Crush It. There's so many. I, there's so many local musicians that I think deserve uh, deserve more than what they're getting. And I also have been trying to make a point of grabbing people that have been playing in living rooms and around campfires a lot mm-hmm. and getting them up on stages with me. Oh, cool. Uh, my dear friend Shane O'Brien plays with me a good number of times. And hearing, I didn't realize it was the first time, but hearing him say that the song he led at our release show was the first time he had led a song with guitar and singing it on a stage. Oh, cool. And he did it like he'd been doing it his whole life. Yeah. Because he has. Just the microphone wasn't right there and it was right. a campfire in place. Right, right. But that's, I think like most my favorite musicians are mostly playing in those settings. And there's no good reason why they shouldn't get paid to be on a stage, too. What are your favorite uh, venues to play or some good ones that you played? Oh, I love the slag rock. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know... Right now it's outdoor only, but it's just a really cool space. No matter what version of it has been in existence, like it's always just the people behind it and the community that supports it are both just yeah. Uh, they care so much and they have such a cool vision. It's really um, changed. If I mean, the original was like a coffee shop, like a yeah. singer songwriter coffee shop place, and then it was like and, a. Uh, almost an underground when it changed, like it moved over, and then it was like almost an under underground place, and now it's like a fairly large venue. Yeah, now it's everything. Yeah, now now there's nothing, nothing regular, nothing off limits. Yeah. yeah. Um. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, let's see. I only mentioned Slagrog as oh, yeah. far as venue goes. Um, I've been doing some work at One World West. I think. The sound there is phenomenal, indoors and outdoors, and they work really hard to support the music community. And then there's a spot, Great Wild Nowhere. Um, see, they won't see this, but I've got this pillow from there from the artist Andy Herod. It's his art gallery slash bar. He was, Where is, what's the name of that place? Great Wild Nowhere. It's in the River Arts District. Oh, okay. Um, I'm and, not familiar with that. Yeah, we were playing there. I don't know. August 13th, I don't know. This might be out a little after that. But, um, yeah, we'll be playing there on August 13th with the old one, too, and a dance party after. And it's, it is, it's an art gallery and a bar with mm-hmm. indoor stage. And then I think we're going to be working it as an outdoor stage. But it's just, it has a lot of options, and Andy's just a super cool guy. Cool. It has a really neat thing going on. It's like, I, I think. There's a ton of venues I love. I'd, I'd spend a lot of time in the one stop too. Um, only I only played there once and had a great experience playing there. But I just just like something going on always, and yeah. I, I appreciate that aspect almost more than anything else. Like this, if I if there's just nothing happening in town, it's a place I know I can go in Asheville to. Right. Some somebody's playing some kind of music. There right. Right. That night, whatever night it is.
it's, it's fairly fairly obvious. It's titled "Sad." It's about being sad, and uh, one of the big reasons I wanted to do it is highlighting that it's it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we all get sad at some point. That's uh, that's a perfectly acceptable thing to be sad. I think society often tells us that it's not okay, and mm-hmm. that you need to hide that sadness. You need to hide things that are super happy. Um, and I just, I have the most positive stuff that I've written and released on this EP. Like the four other songs are quite positive. Mm-hmm. And if they, if they're not completely positive, they like push towards a positive direction throughout the song and not just like staying in that dark place that a lot of my music is in. And I, I was trying to decide what, I mean, it needs to be offset because I am a sad songwriter. Like, I write stuff that embraces that sadness that people feel often. And yeah. Like, even if somebody's not dealing with depression or any, any or just a hard time that they're going through, you know, they, they still get sad. Even, yeah. you might, it might be a sunny day and you're around friends. Even then, like, normal people might just, like, get hit by a little bit of sadness because there's a whole lot of trauma and grief in the world. Sure, sure. And that's going to seep in even into the best moments sometimes. And yeah. This song is from a place of wanting people to feel okay with that. Yeah. So uh, are there ways that you incorporate um, awareness, mental illness awareness uh, more subtly into your songs? It's usually not particularly subtle. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's highlighted in this one called Sad. And then uh, the single from... The full length that I'm in the studio with Michael Dow at Dow Studios right now working on. The single from that is called Mental Health Day. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty intentional. I'm sure there are a lot of moments that I don't realize are addressing this. Mm-hmm. You know, addressing mental illness. But though I am much more focused on making it very apparent. Yeah. And like... Just making it feeling, trying to make it okay. Like saying, "Hey, it's fine to talk about these things. This is your reality. This is your experience." And I wouldn't ever want anybody in this world to feel like they can't share their reality and their experience just because it's not bright and bubbly and fun. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'd say maybe poolside on pool day. That's not the time to go into it with your friends. Right. <laughs> there, there are times and places like you know, but, it's not like I mean, hey, let's bring all the sadness there, but. Even then, there's been moments yeah. at a pool where something comes up, and I'm like, "Hey, let's step over here." And that friend and I will go exactly. over. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There by might the be somebody in the there. sunshine. Yeah. There's somebody there just waiting, waiting for somebody to open up. You know, throw that opening to them, so they can say, "Hey, you know, I'm, I was feeling that too." Yeah. 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 Like with Mental Health Day, there's been a number of times where I've played that either live or just in a living room or campfire setting, and a little while later, after playing it, somebody will come up to me and be like, "Thank you." Yeah. I really needed that. I needed that to be just pushed out so loud, okay. <laughs> like shared in front of everybody. That like right. now, I feel like like I'm having this conversation with you because you played that song, and now, and then that person might go into what's going on in their life, and we can have a really real discussion. Which okay. you know, I'm not gonna get that same response out of. Um, I don't know. I've got a song called "Good Moon Rising" that's really fun, mm-hmm. and it it goes in to having issues sometimes, but it's not that deep. Right. Right. Like it's not going to invoke those feelings. So I really do love just hitting things directly as I can. What's a movie. What movie have you seen the most in your whole life? 
What mm. movie have you wait? What movie have you seen the most in your life? Is that Probably a, the the fifth the fifth element. Oh yeah, would be the one yeah. I've seen the most. Hmm. It's, it's my favorite. Yeah. So I would I would imagine I put it on. I don't, it's clo- it could be close though because I had a copy of Pulp Fiction on VHS mm-hmm. and maybe two or three other movies on VHS, and I think that played. There's like a tool shed left from when my my dad moved from the family, and then the tool shed kind of sat until I turned it into my own extra space. Right. Where I'd hang out and I moved the TV and a VCR out there, and there's only a handful. It was like Pulp Fiction, Rush Hour 2, and maybe one other movie. <laughs> and so Pulp Fiction played almost daily in that place. Oh, cool. But but watched with intent, I would say. Right, right. Uh, put, put on and watch start to finish where I'm actually watching the movie, I'd say The Fifth Element. I love sci-fi, but I love tongue-in-cheek sci-fi, like the Douglas Adams and Kurt Vonnegut end of that sci-fi world where it's silly and fun. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite vacation spot? Oh, I'm doing man. like a I'm doing like a tiger beat interview now. No, yeah, I love it. I love it. And my sister had the JTT poster up on the wall back right, in the yeah. day. <laughs> uh, vacation spot? I I don't know. I really. I mean, I love Hawaii. I lived in Hawaii for a year, and it's it's a super special place. I just I love the feeling. And the land in the area, I think I'm exploring and looking for my favorite vacation spot, hmm. and I, I'm sure I'll find it. You know, but there's a lot of world to look out to. I think my favorite vacation spot is somewhere new. That's that's the short answer. It's like somewhere new is where I want to be. I like that. All right, big thanks to Matt Masterson, uh, aka Squatch, for being on the podcast. Uh, don't forget to. Find his music at squatchyvibes.bandcamp.com. Also follow his social media so you see the shows he has coming up. We'll also have a few of the upcoming shows on uh, the podcast social media. So uh, it'll be kind of hard to escape, honestly. Speaking of the podcast, don't forget to follow WNC Original Music wherever you get your podcast, And uh, follow on Instagram and Facebook and uh, all the other places. Uh, mainly just Instagram and Facebook. This week's closing song comes from Arondacoit Dodge. I'm probably only going to say that once. They're an indie bluegrass country band from Austin, Texas. And they consist of Eric Legere, Rita Bliss, and Jimmy Scott Calhoun. They've got an EP out now, and you can find them on arondacoitdodge.com. Oh, I said it twice. I'm not going to try to spell that. You're going to have to check the show notes. But it's a really good EP. Check it out. I said it three times, three different ways. Have a good week.
Stay. 